Tonight's reading from God's Word comes from the 26th chapter of Matthew. We're reading verses 73 through 75. After a little while, the bystanders came up and said to Peter, Certainly you, you too are one of them, for your accent betrays you. Then he began to invoke a curse on himself and to swear, I do not know the man. And immediately the rooster crowed, and Peter remembered the saying of Christ, Before the rooster crows, you'll deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. Military strategists are familiar with asymmetric warfare. The idea that you need to hit your enemy where he is most unprepared, that's asymmetric warfare. Figure out where your enemy is not paying attention, where he is the most complacent, and then hit that place really, really hard with all your might, and you can really do some damage to your enemy. The devil fights with asymmetric warfare. The devil comes after us in places where we don't think that we are going to be subject to temptation. We don't think that we're going to fall. That's where he chooses to strike often the hardest. And certainly Peter learned that lesson in a very painful way on the occasion when he denied Jesus three times. We're going to study this as the last in this series about meltdowns when Peter denied Jesus. It's found in four chapters of your Bible. It's found in Matthew 26, Mark 14, Luke 22, and John 18. Matthew 26, Mark 14, Luke 22, John 18. Open your Bibles for a little while to John 18. I agonized over how to present this to you this evening, how uh, to, to put all of the information that's given about Peter denying Jesus together because there's a lot of information. And that tells us a couple of things. Most people think that the gospel accounts are Obviously, they're inspired by God, but a lot of the stories and a lot of the things that are said come from stories and, and things that Christians remembered about the life of Jesus. And again, the gospel accounts are inspired, but it seems that some stories got repeated more than others. And it's fascinating that when you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, there's just a handful, there's just a small collection of recollections about the life and ministry of Jesus that found their way into all four of these books. For example, the only miracle of Jesus that's in all four accounts is the feeding of the 5,000. Did you know that? Or the denial of Jesus. The fact that as Jesus was on trial, the fact that in every single one of these four accounts, Peter's denial of Jesus is in all of them. I believe this may be as tragic and as painful as it was for Peter and as tragic and as painful as it, is, as it is for us to read it, I think the denial of Jesus may be one of the best loved parts of the story of Jesus and the cross. Because here's Jesus and Peter was, if not his closest friend, one of them. And here's Peter saying and swearing and cursing, I do not know the man. 
And then Luke tells us that Jesus turned and looked at him. Their eyes met. And then you read over in John chapter 21 about the forgiveness that Peter receives from Jesus and the reconciliation, the bringing back together that Peter and Jesus enjoyed after the resurrection. It's just an amazing, phenomenal story in so many ways. I've been convicted personally as I've studied for this lesson. I probably need to do a lot more teaching and preaching on this In fact, you could probably build a quarter's worth of Bible classes just about the denial of Jesus, what Jesus warns the apostles about, and Peter's saying, no, it's not going to happen to me, and then Peter doing it. And then the restoration in John 21, and then Peter's recollections in 1 and 2 Peter that he brings up. It's an amazing account. What I want to do tonight is just two simple things. I want to give you a sequence of events. What happens the night that Jesus is betrayed and Peter denies him? What happens when Peter denies the Lord? And then the second thing we're going to do is just learn three brief lessons about bad decisions that Peter made that led to this meltdown in his life. Sequence of events. You know, if you read Matthew 26, Mark 14, Luke 22, and John 18, what you're going to find is that there is a lot of information and it's really hard to put the information together in a coherent way. There are a lot of details that, for example, Matthew gives that John leaves out and vice versa. And all four of the writers give us a little bit different perspective on what happens, on what's said. And some people have looked at these four accounts and they've come to the conclusion that Peter didn't deny Jesus three times. He denied Jesus, they say, at least six times, maybe seven. I don't believe that's true. Largely because the Bible tells us he denied Jesus thrice, three times. But here's what I do believe happened. And here's how I believe you have to harmonize these accounts. Peter didn't just deny Jesus to one person. Sometimes in our minds, we might think that's what happened. The one person came up to Peter and said, hey, weren't you one of his disciples? And no, I'm not. And that, okay, that's number one. But what really seems to be the case, as you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, is that there was a crowd in these situations. Peter wasn't just standing with one person, but there were a couple of people. Kind of like if you're standing at the back of the auditorium after services and you've got four or five people standing around you and you're having a conversation and those four or five people are asking you different questions and the same question in different ways. That seems to be what happens on three separate occasions in Peter's experience here. And so here are the three occasions as we kind of lead up to. Let's, in fact, let's just begin this way. As you're looking at John chapter 18, the Bible tells us in the first place that Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane was arrested and everybody left. All of the apostles, Peter, Andrew, James, and John, all of them, they scattered because it was dark and they could get away. And this was a surprise. They didn't see this coming. And the soldiers took Jesus, bound him. And the soldiers and the Pharisees and the scribes, they led Jesus, marched him off in the darkness back into Jerusalem. He was outside of the gates. They marched him back into Jerusalem, into the high priest's house, as you read John 18. And so the Bible tells us that Peter and it mentions in John, another disciple follow at a distance. Incidentally, following Jesus at a distance is never a good idea. But you understand under the circumstances why Peter's doing what he's doing. Peter, out of all the apostles and this other disciple, presumably it's John, although there's no definitive proof of that. Peter and this other disciple, they decide to follow at a distance. So it's dark. There are no street lights. I mean, it's dark, dark. And as they're out there in the, uh, in the night, they follow this crowd of soldiers up the hill into Jerusalem. It's dark and they're following at a distance. 
as you look at John 18, let's just read for a moment. Verse 15, it says, Simon Peter followed Jesus, so did another disciple, since that disciple was known to the high priest. And again, presumably we're talking about John, the author of the gospel of John here. He entered with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest. But Peter stood outside at the door. Now, the way a house was arranged, a big house like this one, the high priest's, it was kind of a square, and in the middle there was a courtyard. And the reason why they would build it that way was so that the breeze could blow through in the summer, so that all the rooms had natural air conditioning, if you will. And so there's a courtyard in the middle, and there's a gate, and so the only way you can get into the house is go through the gate into the courtyard, and then you could enter one of the rooms. And so they've taken Jesus into one of the rooms where the high priest and the chief priest and the scribes are questioning Jesus, and they're mocking him and saying, what is it that he's done? He's blasphemed God. They're talking to Jesus off in one of these rooms, and in the courtyard, this disciple, this unnamed disciple, he is known to the high priest, so he enters in the courtyard. Peter is outside the high priest's gate in the street waiting. And then it tells you in John 18, verse 16, so the other disciple who was known to the high priest went out and spoke to the servant girl who kept watch at the door. So the high priest, I mean, there's a big commotion in the middle of the night. It's Passover. Jerusalem's busy. All kinds of things are happening. So the high priest makes sure that a little servant girl is watching the gate. Don't let anybody in who's not supposed to be here. You keep the gate shut. But this disciple comes and talks to the little girl. And so the little girl opens the gate and brings Peter in. You look at John 18, look at verse 17. The scripture says, the servant girl at the door said to Peter, you also are not one of this man's disciples, are you? And Peter said, I am not. Denial number one. So here's the servant girl watching the gate to the high priest's house as Peter comes in. And I've got questions. I would like to know more about this. I want to know why the other disciple doesn't get the same treatment, or at least it doesn't get brought out. Maybe he did. Aren't you one of this man's disciples too? Was, was John unknown, if that's John? Or was it another disciple, not John, that hasn't really come out and shown that he is a disciple of Jesus? Whatever the case may be, it seems that this servant girl looks at Peter and she doesn't know Peter's name. She doesn't say, you're Peter, you're Simon Peter. She just says, you're one of his disciples, aren't you? I recognize you. You were with Jesus the Galilean, it says in Matthew. You were with Jesus the Nazarene, it says in Mark's account, Mark 14. And Peter says, according to Matthew's account, I do not know what you mean. And so you think about how Peter might have done this as she's, hey, aren't you one of his disciples? I am not. No, 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 you're one of his disciples, aren't you? I don't know what you mean. Leave me alone is the idea. And Peter comes on into the courtyard by the way, how many times did the rooster crow? Mark tells you that the rooster crowed twice. Matthew and Luke and John only mention the rooster crowing once. And that's not a contradiction. It's just Matthew, Luke, and John just didn't see fit to tell us how many times the rooster crowed. But the first time Peter denies the Lord, Mark tells you the rooster crowed the first time. Mark 14, verse 68. I, in my mind, as I replay these events and I think about what Peter went through, I think Peter regretted instantly what he had done. And I think that everything that happens after this is just basically Peter doubling down. 
He's already said he's not one of Jesus' disciples and to reverse course and now he's gonna have to admit that he was lying and he wasn't, he wasn't being honest and all those things. I think Peter is just, it's better to just double down and keep saying you don't know him and keep saying you're not one of his disciples than it is to go back on what you've already told the people around you. And so Peter comes on into the courtyard. By the way, if you're looking at John chapter 18, it's amazing the details that you read here. Look at verse 18, John 18, 18. Now the servants and officers... They're inside the courtyard now and all the rooms are around the courtyard and Jesus is one of those rooms. But the servants and officers, they had made a charcoal fire or some translations have a fire of coals. You know why they made a charcoal fire? Because there's no smoke. Because nobody wants a fire with a lot of smoke in the middle of the night. And so they made a charcoal fire. It's a fire that would heat them, but it's not a fire that would create a lot of smoke. These people knew what they were doing. They knew about fire. They knew about how to keep warm. And notice this. It says in verse 18 of John 18, because it was cold and they were standing around warming themselves by the fire. And Peter was also with them standing and warming himself. You think about Jesus praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. Have you ever thought about what the temperature was? It was cold. It was a cold night. Early in the spring in Jerusalem, temperature can be 30, 40 degrees at nighttime. It's cold out there. And they come into the high priest's house and they're standing around waiting on the trial to take place or whatever the high priests are gonna do with, with Jesus and they're cold and so let's kindle a fire. And Peter comes and he begins to warm himself by the fire. So there's a crowd of people around this fire. I wonder how big it was. And Peter's standing there rubbing his hands together, warming himself by the fire. Don't warm yourself by the enemy's fire, brothers and sisters and friends. Don't find yourself in the wrong place at the wrong time with the wrong people, warming yourself by the fire of those who are opposed to God, of those who are opposed to Jesus Christ. It is not a good place for a Christian to be. And there's Peter warming himself by the fire with the soldiers, waiting to see what's happening to Jesus. And so, denial number two. Luke 22, verse 58 tells us a little later. Luke, by the way, gives us the best sequence for the three denials. Luke says there was the servant girl, and then there was a little later, another servant girl. Matthew tells us it's a different servant girl, not the first one. And not just her, but there are some bystanders. You think about what might have happened. Peter's standing there by the fire, and he's, you know, rubbing his hands together, and he's trying to stay inconspicuous, not stand out. And people start to kind of look across the fire at Peter. And a couple of them kind of whisper to one another and they're all looking his direction and Peter's getting more and more nervous, more and more uncomfortable. And finally, one of these servant girls says, Mark 14, 69, this man is one of them. He's one of those disciples. He's, he's one of the Galileans. And Peter, it says this time in Matthew 26, 71 and 72, he denies it with an oath. I do not know the man. So the first time he's coming through the gate, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know him. Second time with an oath, I swear, I promise as God is my witness, I don't know him. Don't know the man. And then the Bible says in Luke chapter 22, verse 59, about an hour later, it takes a while, this trial does. There are some more people that begin to say to Peter, 
Aren't you one of his disciples? In fact, if you're looking at John 18, look at verses 26 and 27. John just gives fascinating details about this incident. John 18, verse 26. Simon Peter standing by the fire warming himself, verse 25, they said to him, you're not also one of his disciples, are you? And he denied it and said, I am not. And one of the servants of the high priest, verse 26, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, asked him, did I not see you in the garden with him? I mean, come on, somebody got their ear cut off and then Jesus touched it and it regrew a miracle. He's my relative, I'm related to him. Aren't you the guy that had the sword? Think I'd remember who that was and I know it was dark, but you look like him. And so you've got this other group that's saying, you're, you're the man, aren't you? Maybe four, five, six, ten people. They're all looking at Peter and they're saying, you're one of those Galileans, aren't you? You're one of them. Didn't I see you in the garden with him? Malchus's relative says. And in Matthew 26, verse 73, I like this. It's almost comical. You're Galilean for your accent betrays you. I'm glad I don't speak with any kind of accent, but some of y'all do. And, and we can tell where, where people are based on the accent that they have. You can tell if somebody's from New York or even in the South, we could tell the difference between somebody from Alabama and somebody from Texas, can't we? Maybe other parts of the country can't tell the difference. We can. We know you're from Galilee because your accent betrays you. You sound like one of them. And now listen to what Peter does. Peter says, this is the third time, I invoke a curse upon myself. Some translations just say he cursed and swore. I do not know this man of whom you speak. A third time. And then the Bible says the rooster crowed a second time while he was still speaking. And when that rooster crowed, I don't think Peter ever forgot it. I don't think there was ever a time in his life when he ever again heard a rooster and didn't think about what he did to Jesus that night. I don't know him. He's, I'm not one of his disciples. I swear, I don't know him. Three times he does this and the rooster crows. And then this is the worst of all. It's found in Luke chapter 22, verse 61. The Bible says the Lord turned and looked at Peter. He's in one of the rooms and I guess there was a window. And Peter's, you know, Jesus is talking to the high priest and they're accusing him and all these things and all these terrible things are happening to him and they're starting to slap him and those kinds of things. And here's Peter out in the courtyard. I don't know who he is. And the Bible says their eyes met. Think about that. He turned and looked at Peter. And then the Bible says in Luke 22, 61, it says, Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, how he had said to him, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And Peter, who was a manly man and loved to fish and was an outdoorsman and used his hands and his back to, to draw those huge nets in, Peter, who was a man known as a rock, that was what his name meant, went out and wept bitterly. That's a hard thing to think about. Peter doing that to Jesus and then having to deal with and live with the consequences and the effects of what he had done to the Lord. Because Jesus, yes, was his Lord. Jesus, yes, was the one that he had professed discipleship and said, I'll follow you anywhere. I'll never deny you. But more than that even, Jesus was his friend. This was somebody he'd just spent the last three and a half years, almost 24 hours a day with. And here, when things got difficult, I don't know him. I don't know him. I don't know the man. 
three bad decisions Peter made. You and I need to watch out for these in our lives. Number one, Peter talked when he should have been listening. Jesus says in Matthew 26, 31 and 32, all of you are going to be made to be scattered. They're gonna leave me this night because it is written. Jesus says it's written in the scriptures. I will strike the shepherd and the sheep shall be scattered. It's written in the Old Testament. This is what's gonna happen. And Peter nobly but misguidedly says, Lord, not me. Even if everybody else leaves, not me. I'm not gonna leave. And you know what? I believe Peter. I believe he was as sincere as he could have been. I believe Peter was a man of courage. In fact, I think this. I think that if it wasn't a servant girl that was challenging Peter, I think that if the soldiers had seen Peter and said, you're one of his disciples, come on in the room, and they had put Peter next to Jesus, I think Peter would have stood there courageously in front of the high priest and said, yes, this is my Lord, yes, I've been following him, and yes, I'm one of his disciples. If the high priest had asked him, I think Peter would have said yes and admitted who he was. But Peter was confused and disoriented and he had been busy talking when he should have been listening. Listen to what God says. Listen to what the Bible tells you. It's important. Heard a man who was a diver speak one time about this as, as he would go and dive on reefs. He said, if you, if you kick your feet and if you're, if you're swimming, you know, doing this as you're diving on coral reefs, he said, a lot of the, the beautiful creatures and the worms and the fish and things like that that are there in the coral reefs, he said, they'll, they'll withdraw because they sense, you know, you're paddling, you're, you're, you're swimming in the water. They sense that and, <clears throat> and they retract because they think, you know, there's a threat nearby. But if you would just be still and just hang there motionless in the water with your camera running, they'll come out and they'll, they'll reveal themselves to you. Did you know life is like that? Most of us are swimming and paddling and talking nonstop. And if we just be quiet and listen to what's being said around us, it would make a difference in our lives spiritually. You'd be surprised what you learn by just listening. Bad decision number two, he overestimated his own strength. Let me just ask you to inventory in your life this, this week. What do you think is not a temptation for you? <clears throat> what kinds of sins do you think you would never be guilty of committing? Take an inventory of that because that is asymmetric warfare 101. Where do you think you're strong? Where do you think that there's no possibility that you would ever give in? Where do you think that no temptation would ever overtake you in this area? That's what you need to pay attention to. And 1 Corinthians 10 verse 12 tells us, whoever thinks he stands, let him take heed lest he fall. Don't say it would never happen to me. You say there but for the grace of God go I. And I would never say that I would never give in to a temptation like that. Don't be like Peter. Number three, he became preoccupied with what Peter, people around him were thinking. He was just, like I said, disoriented. It looked hopeless for Jesus. They didn't know about the resurrection. They should have. Jesus had been very plain about what was gonna happen. 
but he didn't know what was about to take place. This was not part of the plan. This was not part of Peter's agenda or anybody else's except for the Lord's. And so when Jesus was arrested and he's marched away by the soldiers and they're talking crucifixion, they're talking about finding some charges and putting him on a cross, Peter doesn't know what to do. And so all of a sudden other people around are pointing at Peter and saying, aren't you one of his disciples? Aren't you one of his disciples? And Peter's really, really deep down concerned about what people think of him. Don't live your life that way. Rudyard Kipling, a famous British poet, he wrote a poem called If. It's about growing up and being a man. And one of the things he wrote in that poem says this. If all men count with you, but none too much, then you'll be a man. In other words, it ought to matter to us to some degree what people think about us, but it shouldn't matter too much. That's the essence of being a Christian, you know it? Galatians 1 verses 10 through 12 tells us that we are, that Paul is not, he's not doing his ministry to please man. He's not trying to please people. He's trying to please Jesus Christ. That's what he's all about. He cared what people thought, but not too much. We're making a bad decision when we allow other people's opinions and other people's ideas about who we are and who we belong to and what we're doing, when we allow those to dictate how we're going to live our lives and the decisions that we make. If all men count with you, but none too much, then you found the secret to being mature, full grown. Much more we could say about what Peter did to Jesus when he denied him. Don't be overconfident. Don't have it in your mind. I would never deny the Lord. I would never depart from the Lord. Don't have it in your mind that that's true of you because it's not. All of us need to trust God. All of us need to follow him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And all of us need to remember the lesson of Peter. If we can help you to obey the gospel tonight, if we can help you by praying for you, won't you make your way down the aisle together we stand and while we sing.